Howdy, pilgrims. Welcome back to the Venture Pill. And on this week's dose, we'll start off with Freeform, a 3D printing company revolutionizing large-scale production of metal components. They just came out of stealth mode with a $45 million raise from a slew of impressive investors. And next, you'll hear about Lavender and their $13 million Series A led by Norwest Venture Partners. This startup is helping sales professionals like myself master the art of writing a good email through their powerful AI email coaching software. From there, we'll talk about the Ugly Company's $9 million Series A, led by Sun Valley Packaging and Creation Value Strategies. The company has a beautiful mission of preventing millions of pounds of food waste by upcycling ugly fruit into dried fruit snacks. Yum, yum. Who doesn't love dried fruit, right? And to close out this week's dose, we'll break down Atamos's $16.2 million Series A, led by Cantos Ventures and Yamauchi No. 10 Family Office. The startup is building the future of orbital logistics by providing last-mile transportation services for satellite operators through their orbital transfer vehicles. Nothing like a good OTV, am I right? Nothing like it. Truly something for everyone in this week's diverse dose of startups. Let's buckle up, hunker down, and get into it. You see here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, Pilgrims. First company of the day is Freeform, uh, which absolutely jumped out of stealth mode. Never seen anything like it with a $45 million raise. Now, this investment included participation from a truly, a, a true who's who of venture capital investors. Eight VC, two Sigma Ventures, Threshold, Founders Fund, and Valor Equity Partners. Now, what if we told you that Freeform could 3D print metal parts 25 to 50 times faster than existing 3D printing methods. Would that maybe explain how they got such a prominent list of investors and $45 million? Is that something that might be of interest to you? Um, well, that's exactly what Freeform claims. And according to co-founder Eric Pallet, who had previously worked on 3D printing at SpaceX, this was something that he and the team had proposed to Elon Musk back in the day, but it was too expensive for Elon Musk's liking. And imagine that, too expensive for one of the richest people in the world. I can't imagine there are many things that are too expensive yeah. for Elon's liking. Uh, that said, it's revolutionizing 3D printing as traditional 3D printing technology is vastly limited by size and printing area. Yeah, so this technology has been around for a while. You know, everybody's probably heard of it. Maybe some of you out there have even played around with it before. Um, but it, it just hasn't become commercially viable and and there hasn't been a true industrial application at scale just yet at least to our knowledge and and that's what freeform is tackling here so their technology flips the traditional model where it's something that you might have in your home or you know it's a small machine that can make small things and what they're doing here is they they're just expanding that footprint and 
no pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> basically, this machine fills an entire warehouse's worth of space. So it's like a giant 3D printer, if you will. Their current space actually happens to have been Keanu Reeves' former motorcycle storage facility, which is just as random as, as could be, but pretty funny to note yeah. that we got that from, from the article linked in the show notes. <laughs> Such an awesome little tidbit to throw in there. Another limiting factor of traditional 3D printers is the amount of time that lasers can be in action due to overheating. So whereas a regular machine might only have a few lasers, Freeform has 18 lasers, which allows it to print much more effectively with more of an assembly line type of system. So lasers can cool down while other lasers are doing their thing. Yeah, it's true laser optimization like we've never seen before. <laughs> no, but really, really cool. I mean, they likened it to, you know, the assembly line when uh, Ford, you know, pioneered that technique of production that made, you know, just giant strides for the entire industry and in the age of industrialization. So applying that same idea here, in addition to all of this hard technical capability, which is impressive by itself, they're also leveraging artificial intelligence and a software platform that helps them identify problems with the components that they're printing in real time. Whereas traditional systems would rely more on a trial and error type approach, which just, you know, as you can imagine, is much more inefficient. And so I think in the article I was reading, you know, the a customer that had tried this out with Freeform already was saying they could just trust Freeform to print the component that they need, no issues with it. And uh, they're able to learn uh, from the actions in real time to be able to produce a repeatable product that the customer will end up uh, being happy with. Yeah, it's always a green flag when a company is leveraging AI and machine learning. And that combined with their hard technical cap capabilities, as well as overall more efficient approach clearly has this company in a great position and poised to disrupt. And while they've been in business for five years now, this is still the very beginning, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, of the journey for Freeform. And plan to use this funding to continue to develop their tech and make it commercially viable and scalable to eventually lead to legitimate revenue and high-profile customers. Yeah, you wonder how they can build this beyond just one warehouse if they can repeat it if it's scalable that's that's what those investors are looking for and with all those vcs on on the cap table there you can only assume that the founders were able to paint that vision and it was worth the bet given you know the opportunity to repeat this and to bring it to market so really really interesting technology I haven't covered i don't think a 3d printing company just yet there's been quite a lot of 3D printing investments out there. I've connected with a couple myself. Uh, so competitive space, but it seems like Freeform's in, heading in the right direction, I should say. And we'll, we'll be keeping tabs on them as they, you know, who knows, maybe they'll be printing cars. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, certainly a large jump out of stealth mode. More of a leap than a jump, I'd say. But if that's any indication, this company is certainly one to keep an eye on. That's for sure. And uh, we've also got our eye on Lavender, the second company of today's dose, uh, which just raised a $13 million Series A led by Norwest Venture Partners. Uh, this startup claims to be the number one sales email coach, according to the website, uh, but they actually did not start out that way. Right. So the company was originally founded by Will Allred and William Balance, and it was originally called Sorted. And it was more of a tool that was broadly to be applied to marketing campaigns. 
And after the pandemic hit, they were forced to pivot like many companies had to. And thus Lavender was born, which is an AI tool that's quickly become popular among sales professionals for emailing. Yeah. So basically how it works, it's a plugin tool that you attach to whatever email platform you use. For me, it was Gmail, right? And so I actually use this for a fair bit. Um, and what it does is it makes suggestions about the contents of your email message and how to optimize it for better responses, hopefully leading to more sales. Uh, so job of a sales professional, you know, is to communicate well, to say the right things at the right time, to use research to personalize, but it's also to be efficient. And so this tool really helps a sales professional like myself gather the information, make it short and sweet, analyze the email, make sure it's easily readable and will provide a successful outcome. Now, similar to ChatGPT, the AI can make suggestions based on news or company information available on the internet, can even generate a full email draft, an example that you can work off of or even use as is if you like how it looks. Yeah, so much potential as a tool to leverage as a salesman and just in so many roles, really. Um, I've, everyone has been hearing so much about ChatGPT. And of course, the rise of AI is something that we've documented extensively on the pill. Um, but in addition to ChatGPT, the space is pretty crowded. So there's other companies. One that comes to mind is Clavio, and even one that we covered previously on VenturePill, which is Jasper AI. And all of these are leveraging AI in incredible and innovative ways to help professionals be more efficient on the job, which, as you mentioned, is the most important component of the entire role. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to efficiency. And I don't think AI is anywhere close to replacing salespeople. At the end of the day, it's relationships. It's the ability to communicate with another human and to connect. I think we're a ways away from that. But be able to uh, bolster, you know, to be able to bolster a salesperson's tool belt, essentially. It's just another tool in the belt. Um, and Lavender does have a lot of customers. they got 11,000 customers, including companies as large as Twilio. Um, They'll be using this funding to grow their team. They're only a team of 16. I think they were six not too long ago. So just a, a nice early stage company uh, with a big opportunity. Yeah, I mean, 11,000 customers, that's more than some early traction. That's an impressive feat, especially with 16 people. That's, you know, almost 500, 1,000 customers per person on the company, which yep. is uh, the ideal ratio, I'd say, that we're looking for in, in, in regards to that. Yeah, we should tell we should tell David Sachs, uh, crap metrics. <laughs> yeah, got another got another key metric for him to include. exactly <laughs> a new a new ratio to implement. And so, despite the competition that we've highlighted here, trends show that there may be room for multiple players and platforms in this space, given the overall rising tide that artificial intelligence is, and many believe will continue to be. Um, so, AI isn't really going anywhere. Again, as all of this it's going are, somewhere rather it's going places for sure it's going but everywhere it's true but i think a tool like this that empowers people rather than attempting to replace them will be generally well accepted by the public as it's already proven thus far in the early going with their eleven thousand customers yeah and i think that's the key differentiator here for lavender is it, it it's a supplemental tool it's not meant to write the emails for you I don't think that's really realistic at this point in time. And, uh, you know, salespeople don't want their jobs to go away. So they're going to be more accepting of something that will help them be more efficient, not replace them. Uh, so a really, really cool tool. I, I used it myself. Uh, my team uh, tested it out. We didn't end up going with it. 
uh, but it was a really cool way to just more efficiently write emails, get information. They score your emails. Um, so it kind of makes it gamified and, and, uh, I guess, um, easily quantifiable how good your email is. So wish lavender the best. Uh, we didn't end up going with them, but, uh, you know, they got 11,000 others and, and growing <laughs> fast. <laughs> no hard feelings there. Moving along to our third company on this week's dose, we have the ugly company, which just announced a $9 million series a led by Sun Valley Packaging, which is a Reedley, California-based fruit grower and distributor, as well as Austin-based value creation strategies. Additionally, Justin Timberlake got in on the fun and participated in the Series A too. Nice. I think that's probably our first Justin Timberlake uh, mention on, on the pill. And I do have to say, I think this is also our first fruit startup. Can we recall any, might be. any fruity Justin Timberlake episodes? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm surprised the chain smokers didn't get in on the action here too. I bet they were chomping at the bit, True. but we, uh, I'm happy to see Justin Timberlake for the first time. It'll be yeah. a fun addition to the Pillfolio. Yeah. A little bit of a mix up company here. This, this company was actually founded by a fourth generation farmer, Ben Moore. Uh, his goal to prevent food waste by upcycling ugly fruit and transforming it into dried fruit snacks. The company set out to address the 108 billion pounds, billion with a B, of food that is wasted in the United States alone annually. And as you put it earlier, partner, that's just an appallingly large number of pounds of food wasted in the U.S. That's truly a shocking amount of food that gets wasted every year. And the story behind The Ugly Company is actually that Ben Moore was briefly a truck driver and saw firsthand all of the food that was being wasted right off of his truck and quickly became privy to the hundreds of billions of pounds in the U.S. and probably trillions of pounds across the globe and set out to do his part to try to eliminate at least as much of that as possible. And thus, The Ugly Company was born. And so last year, The Ugly Company prevented more than 2.17 million pounds of food waste by upcycling it into dried fruit snacks. In 2023, this year, the company aims to turn 3 million pounds of perfectly good fruit that would otherwise be thrown away or fed to cattle into dried fruit. And to clarify, ugly fruit essentially just means fruit that has blemishes and that supermarkets deem not worth trying to sell, essentially. It's perfectly nutritionally, you know, uniform to every other type of fruit. It's just, it doesn't have the visual appeal. It's not necessarily that top shelf money beat that you'd see at a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ugly fruit matters too. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's also beneficial for the fruit farmers, right? Who would normally have to actually pay for their ugly fruit to be hauled off to, to get rid of. It's a whole industry there that just, just is extraneous. And so the ugly company instead pays the farmers for their fruit, takes it off their hands, no waste. Farmers can still make money off their ugly crops. It's truly a win-win. And, and there's nothing we like better than a win-win scenario here on, on Venture Pill, that's for sure. It's true. We always love to highlight the win-wins. And so as of now, the Ugly Company's snacks are available in Sprouts nationwide, select REI stores, Whole Foods, and will be available in Kroger Banner stores later this year. With the influx of capital, the company plans to expand its processing capacity while accelerating expansion nationwide. Yeah, a really cool concept here. It's not a not a new, brand new concept, right? I th I'm sure many of you listeners out there might have 
thought of imperfect foods. That's certainly what came to our minds when we were reading about The Ugly Company. I will say The Ugly Company is a really cool name. Imperfect foods, it, it just makes sense, right? Um, whereas imperfect foods, you know, actually gives you the full fruit in that ugly form. I think the cool part about this concept, the differentiator here, is that it repurposes it. You can't really tell that it's ugly fruit when it's dried and shriveled up anyway, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And as I mentioned, dried fruit, absolute crowd pleaser. Everybody loves it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's one of those scenarios where competition is good. If there's multiple companies trying to find the best ways to eliminate waste, um, chip away at that 108 billion pounds of food wasted annually, I think everyone, the environment and more, every, everyone wins. It's truly a win-win in, in the, or it is a win-win in the truest sense. Yep. It reminds me of Josh Clifford's, uh, who we had on maybe six, seven episodes back, back in December. Check that out. Founder of Freewater. He had a similar viewpoint on just making a difference, right? For him, it was uh, solving clean water across the world. And if somebody else was going to do that better than, than that, then that's great, right? And so it's these mission-based startups that we love to cover, getting away from just pure profit-driven businesses and more towards something with an impact that can generate a profit uh, simultaneously. So super cool. Love to see uh, the fourth generation farmer raising some venture capital, um, making a difference and making some money. Yeah, no, exactly. I was thinking about that interview as well. Definitely recommend everyone go check it out if you haven't already. And yeah, with these mission-based startups, if another company comes along and beats you know outdoes your mission then it's really mission accomplished um and that is the cutoff on times we can say mission this episode yeah well speaking of missions right <laughs> <laughs> speaking of missions we have our fourth startup on this week's dose which is called atomos which just secured a 16.2 million dollar series a to create tugboats in space yes tugboats in space tugboats in space you heard me. Tugboats in space. The round was led by Kantos Ventures and Yamauchi Number 10 Family Office, which is actually the family office that invested in Nintendo, funny enough, with participation from Upheaval Investments, Elefund, Techstars, and more. And so the startup is building the future of orbital logistics, essentially providing last mile transportation services for satellite operators through their orbital transfer vehicles. OTVs for short, if you know, you know, that makes it possible to reposition satellites in space. Yeah. And so it's, this is hot off a few episodes back when, when I kind of went on my space tech monologue. So <laughs> love, love to see uh, another cool space tech company coming into play here on the pill. Uh, the theory here is that by making it possible to move flying objects into different orbits, the spacecrafts don't need to have a full navigation capability themselves which in turn should make operating spacecrafts, spacecrafts a lot more cheap. And so the company claims its existence effectively halves the launch costs of satellite operators. Massive savings there. And I can tell you that based on the companies we've researched, there, there are thousands of satellites and like dozens of operators out there. So this is a good, and a good market and a growing market for sure. Yeah, to be able to have the launch cost for satellite operators is incredible and just another step towards, you know, innovation in outer space, which is something you and I were both gushing over a couple episodes back, as you mentioned. 
And so to break down a little bit more of what the company does, admittedly, we're both in a little over our heads with the science here, but the company is starting with high-powered electric propulsion systems, and they view those propulsion methods as stepping stones for eventually nuclear-powered orbital transfer vehicles, which would be able to travel faster and further and offer commercially viable mobility services. Additionally, even more remarkably, the company is also positioning itself to use this technology for asteroid deflection, which, you know, insert, I don't even know, like, it sounds yeah. more like a, it sounds more like a movie than a startup, really. Yeah, this is science fiction, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible to see what these companies are doing and the privatization of space technology uh, kind of resurging right now. This company is looking to significantly optimize space logistics by implementing the hub and spoke logistics model for outer space. So now, as we were talking about earlier in the episode with, uh, with Freeform and how they're applying the assembly line approach to 3D printing, it goes hand in hand with what Atomos is doing here, taking this model and applying it to space. This is the company's third round of VC funding. So they're pretty legit here. Uh, so far, they've built and tested on the ground including its docking and propulsion systems. The next big step for them is to fly their first vehicle, which is coming soon. Yeah, one small step for Atomos, one massive step for satellite transportation. And so Atomos will use this funding to finish building their first two vehicles, and they have booked a launch in just under 12 months from now. So the clock is ticking. Really excited to see that test in under a year. Yeah, the first use cases of the tech will be to take launch satellites to their final destination and to reposition those satellites mid-missions. Uh, getting back to that mission, the, the, the themed <laughs> word of the episode. Yeah, I mean, what was previously mission impossible is now mission possible, thanks to innovation, innovative companies like this. Um, and additionally, when vehicles have reached their end of service, these tugboats can be leveraged to move those vehicles to graveyard orbits or into disposal orbits so that they can burn up in the atmosphere, um, which is, you know, I guess, essentially the end of life cycle for satellites. Yeah. It goes back to another thing we talked about in that episode, the issue of space trash, just an infinite amount of space trash, like components of satellites that have crashed. And so to be able to more responsibly dispose of those and let them burn up and, and not have it be an exponential problem for all the satellites up there as we continue to launch more and more every year. SpaceX alone, um, launching hundreds, maybe thousands. Um, right. It's, it's good to have companies like Atomos tackling this and the Denver-based company is, is on a good, uh, a good orbital path, if you will. <laughs> so we are astronomically excited to see the future of Atomos here. Um, they're truly carving out a space for themselves. Yes, their early traction is out of this world. And uh, thanks for listening this week. We'll catch you guys in the coming weeks. We've got some interviews coming up as always. So uh, be on the lookout for those. And, and, and we'll see you out on the, on the socials, man. We're, we're growing the Instagram, the YouTube shorts, TikTok, Twitter, of course, the staple. Uh, interact with that content, share it. We really appreciate all the engagement. It makes it fun for us. Exactly. Well said. Keep engaging with us. And thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of Startups and Venture Capital. 
And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do things different.